Guys, before we start with all the usual shenanigans at fuckery that you've come to expect from our show, we want to throw a heartfelt sentiment out to our buddy Josh Dunn. He has just resurfaced on social media after taking a little break for himself, and we just want to say we're glad to see him back. Remember him? We do. Josh, glad to see you're out there. Glad to see you're good. Welcome back, bud. Hey, I thought you said there was good pussy in this bread. All I taste is bread. Working Fans Podcast, cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at FansWorking. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have that's working fans wrestling pod at gmail.com we're on instagram where you can keep up with us at working fans wrestling underscore pod and then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including anchor.fm we're on google Podcasts, spotify breaker overcast Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. All right, AJ, hit me with that intro, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Working Fans Podcast. It's your boy, AJ Strange Brew. We've got the man they call Dave, the biggest fan in all of wrestling. We've got producer Joe, and we're ready to kick ass another week here on the podcast. Dave, tell them what you got. Here's what I want to talk about. Something I haven't seen a lot of here. Follow me on this a little bit, AJ. Imperium just won the tag belts on NXT this week, okay? Now that's Eichner. And Marcel. We haven't seen Wolf or um, Walter. Okay? Now, Pete Dunne had the tag belts, but he can't get over here. So, Thatcher was filling in with Riddle. They lost the belts. A feud started that night where Thatcher turned heel. They had a match. Okay. Now, follow me on this here. Jordan Devlin is out, right? I'm following. Okay, so Devlin's out. We're supposed to have this interim Cruiserweight title tournament that's going on, right? Yeah, I'm there. Okay. Now, this week, did you notice they never called it an interim Cruiserweight title? They only called it, they called it a Cruiserweight title tournament. And Morrow said something about the fact that, yeah, Jordan Devlin probably not too happy with that decision right now. So, here's what I'm wondering. Is the WWE getting ready to cut NXT UK at some point in the next year? What's going on with wrestlers overseas? Sami Zayn is in Canada. He can't get in. And we're already taking the title off of him. What's going on internationally, you think? Because it feels like to me, like, we're kind of planning on these guys not being here for a while. Oh, I think it's simple. I think it's racism. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that with everything that's going on in the world and with how hard travel is, well, here's the funny thing. You mentioned all of those guys. Rhea Ripley was supposed to be going through the same problems. Right. And somehow she's back already. 
I'm wondering if some people are making arrangements to stay in the States now. And with other people, maybe like, especially I know Walter never really wanted to leave uh, Germany. You know, is that something where these people are not going to be, they don't know when they're going to have you guys. We know how Vince McMahon is. Vince McMahon, whether it's in your control or not, if something goes wrong, he has always been somebody who holds people accountable no matter what. This is a man who gets pissed off if you sneeze in his presence. (laughs) It's absolutely insane. So I would not be surprised if, unlike Tony Khan in AEW, where he's telling people, hey, be safe at all costs, come back, you got your job, you're here. I would not be surprised if Vince McMahon is saying, no, screw these motherfuckers. They want to be sissies? No, 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 no. You got to put the belts on these guys who want to be here. Joe, what do you think? We're getting rid of international wrestlers here. What's going on? No, I think they just can't plan definitively enough in the future about what's going to happen. And if it's going to be like a year so they can get these foreign people back, you don't really want that interim title for that long. Right. You can do an interim title for a couple months, but maybe they just changed it and they're like, look, let's get the titles on people we can have on TV. Yeah. And then whenever they're available again, we'll use them. Agreed. What about Sami Zayn? He's not even international. He's up there in USA North Canada. <laughs> I mean, we... <laughs> All he has to do is sneak down in a canoe over Lake Michigan. Quick note, just, you know, obviously everything going on in the world, too. Becky Lynch had the announcement this week that she was pregnant. It was one of the better segments I've seen on Raw in a long time because, obviously, it was legit. Everything that went on with Asuka. And, you know, I think about this, too. Like, who knows how long this girl will be back? She's going to have a baby. But, like, how long before she feels safe enough to, you know, come back? Maybe Becky Lynch won't come back. You know, who knows? Okay, first of all, Dave, you're being way too humble here. Last This episode <laughs> that we dropped this week on Thursday, which we taped last week on Friday, long before Raw happened, we called out Becky Lynch, and by we, I mean me, <laughs> called out Becky Lynch for appearing that her heart is not in it, and where has she been when we were talking about the top women's wrestler in our 5-3-1. Right. And what happens three days later? She announces that she's pregnant, that her heart's not in it, and that she's done with wrestling for right now. (laughs) We as a podcast called this shit three days before it happened. You got to tune in, fans. If you're not tuning into the Working Fans podcast, you're going to miss this stuff. Well, to be but you won't know we're right until after the fact, though, unfortunately. We were right before anybody else. So much like Shayna Baszler, what AJ is saying is, this dumb bitch got knocked up. Her kid's going to suck, and we're smart. <laughs> no, but, oh, no, but hold on here. I thought that's what you said. Wait, Shannon Baszler got knocked up? No, she said yeah, that, that, would um, be, that, that would be very up. shocking. How dumb do you have to be to get knocked up when you're a champion? She also had the line of the night, by the way. I don't think enough people gave Shayna credit for this. She said, that kid's going to suck. Don't believe me? Look who the dad is. I rest my case. <laughs> Wait a minute, you made a joke about what you just said, but I'm going to go on record here and say that. Not that the kid sucks, the father's fine, but when you are the champion of the biggest organization in wrestling, and if you're taking being a champion seriously, you use fucking birth control and you protect it. If you want to become pregnant and actually work in wrestling, you wait until you're not the freaking flagship of wrestling. And at that point, then you start trying to have a child. 
Shayna Baszler might have been doing it tongue-in-cheek, and it might be a storyline, but there's a certain percentage of correctness in what she said. Hold on. We have to also understand. I bet she was doing it tongue-in-cheek, bud. Well, let me just say this, too. As far as Seth Rollins goes, Sting will be the first one to tell you he's not exactly safe. That's a good point. <laughs> but, but, but like I said, if you're taking that championship and you're taking it to the next level, do you see Charlotte right now coming in and saying, hey, I'm pregnant, take the NXT title? Absolutely not. She says, hey, I'm pregnant. Where's the closest Planned Parenthood so I can get rid of this thing? <laughs> Woo! That's what we do when we're... <laughs> AEW real quick. AJ, I don't know if you know the taping schedule. They were live last week. They were taped this week. They're live next week. They're live for the pay-per-view and then live again and then maybe taped after that. But Hey, once again, another person who would not get pregnant, Britt Baker. Hold on. Dentist, she knows all about dental dance. Okay, okay, hold on a second here before you interrupt me. So, they were taped this week. I thought you just meant she's good at oral. <laughs> yeah. And they kind of slipped in. It was added in that Mike Tyson is going to be at Double or Nothing uh, handling the, hand the new TNT championship. I think... That's when you, when you When you said it kind of slipped in, I thought you were going back to Becky Lynch. <laughs> I think this says something about AEW, that we got a company right now that, you know, they're dealing with everything else that everybody else has to deal with, like Vince and everything, and they're putting on empty arena shows wow. and doing the best they can, but they're still willing to invest money right now. They're willing to uh, pay and have Mike Tyson show. Wait, you're glossing over something here, too. What's that? Leading up into AEW announcing this, MLW had been hinting with Mike Tyson yes, they have. about him coming in and working a match. And Loki had been saying on all forms of social media that he would love to have a match with Mike Tyson. He could say it's not a work match, but if he doesn't have a work match with Mike Tyson, he's going to get his head knocked off. Well, I know um, <laughs> I'm just telling you, Loki wouldn't say that. I have actually messaged that guy, and he sounds like he's talking in character still. <laughs> so, Loki wouldn't say that. Thank you very much, Dave, but I would rather do something better with my time. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I actually don't do <laughs> podcasts. This is serious. But we, we are all fans. <laughs> <laughs> we are all fans of MLW on this podcast, and everything pointed in the direction that Mike Tyson was going to do something, though, to work with MLW, and out of nowhere, AEW stole him. <laughs> well, he's just handing over the belt as far as we know right now, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> I would argue that they have to do it, because if you look at, they're still charging for their pay-per-view. They don't have the luxury of the WWE Network where point. you can say, oh, I can buy the pay-per-view or just watch it for nine ninety nine. If you want to watch this pay-per-view, you have to shell out $60 for an empty arena show. Right. That is an excellent point. So you kind of almost need a hook like a Mike Tyson. That's going to help them out. Now, I mean, I'm going to get it either way, but it's still kind of a tough sell. It is a tough sell. There are a few things that they're doing, actually, to hook you into it. This. First of all, they've got a great array of matches coming up for this pay-per-view. Even without the crowd there, the amount of great quality matches is absolutely incredible. Yeah, they've got Mike Tyson. People don't. People just, as a whole, people are not as interested right now. I mean, did you see the ratings this week? Everybody was down, and this is kind of a common thing right now. Even though AEW and NXT are both holding up better than Raw and SmackDown per se, they're still dropping too. 
It's interesting to me because Vince McMahon actually said, I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but Vince McMahon actually said that wrestling normally does good in a recession time period. Like the Great Depression, wrestling was very did very well. I got kind of a theory about this. AJ, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, well, Dave knows about that because that's when he started watching. Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's a big Mildred Burke fan. Easy, old man. <laughs> You're the senior of the group. <laughs> Because Bill Watts, obviously his promotion ran out of business because there was a oil crisis and basically his TV ratings were on fire. But people couldn't afford to go to go see it. And, you know, they were an arena business. Here's my theory. Back in the old days, there was a lot more kayfabe. People were invested in the, in the wrestlers. Like you went to root for your hero. You went to root for the guy you wanted to see win. Now... With everybody being kind of in on everything, it's a different breed of fans. We're watching the performance. And without that energy of the crowd and everything, it comes off a little more sterile. And people just aren't as interested in that because they're not invested enough in the overall outcomes and the characters as they used to be. From the beginning of what you said, you actually hit something on the head. And this is something we haven't really talked about with AEW. AEW, unlike the WWE, WWE over the last year has been down on house shows, on revenue right. in the arena. AEW is the complete opposite. The one thing that they've beaten the WWE in last year was per capita attendance for their actual shows. Mm -hmm. They averaged more attendance per capita for their shows across the board last year. you got to remember, they were selling out every arena that they were going to within hours of actually putting the tickets up. So unlike most of wrestling where today has relied on television, and don't get me wrong, obviously it's a big thing for them to be on TNT, but they're relying a lot on their gates also and people being there. Joe, were you going to say something? I think the overall, I think the interest in the product is hurt with no crowd being out there. Because did you guys watch NWA Superpower this week? I did. I did not get a chance to, unfortunately. Wasn't it such a refreshing show? Mm -hmm. To hear the crowd and to hear, granted they're a small audience and they are like all fans, so it's an extra hot crowd, yeah. but to hear that crowd made it hmm. so much better. Oh, it yeah. was refreshing to watch Tuesday night. Absolutely. That's something that AEW, just by putting like people out in the stands, wrestlers, has been better than WWE at, but it's still not as good as, like you said, having an actual crowd. I hope we get to the point where we can have maybe a little amount of people, but like maybe AEW, NXT, and these, some of these companies could have like a studio audience even, even if it's spread out. I think it would be something and it would really improve the atmosphere. And I think that's important right now because, again, I think that's a big part of the presentation. And I think today's fans are more about the presentation than the one-on-one -on -one actual matches anymore. Well, hey, guys, I hate to wrap us up early, but... 
this also kind of bridges into our 5-3-1. Did you hear what the New Japan president said this week about running? I heard it was going to use... I just saw a headline, New Japan will keep going. Elaborate, though, because I didn't click on it. I didn't hear what he said, but I listened to the post-recap, and they basically said that they're taking, like, extra precautions to keep things safe, and that eventually, when they do open up, they're going to start opening up with empty arena shows, and then they're slowly going to move up to, like, slow, like small audiences. And it sounds like a safe way to go. I want to hear the actual interview to see how he lays it out. But in, I feel in, like third, you, in fairness to Japan, there's smaller people to begin with. Much easier to have a small audience. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. But like you said, we'll get people back out there eventually. I'm sure it'll just be hopefully, hopefully a slow roll and nothing's rushed. Hey, you know, well, we didn't talk about the big news from the WWE. They've canceled SummerSlam weekend in Boston. Right. But that might be at the performance well, center. We might even have a limited amount of people back by then, but I, I don't know. I, actually, I was going to say, didn't Boston almost cancel uh, SummerSlam weekend on them? It was. It was Boston that said, no, you're not doing this. Right. Yeah. I actually, before we get out of here, I wanted to ask uh, something specifically to you, Joe, because I know you might have saw it. Uh, AJ, I know you didn't because we were just talking about it. But... Did you see that Billy Corgan said that uh, next week on NWA, we're debuting a new show, Have Faith in Us, Trust Us, and it's called Carnyland? Yeah, that's pretty fucking bold to be like, hey, we're going to have a new show next week. We don't have a description. Right. We're not going to tell you what it's about. Yep. It's called Carnyland, but trust us. You know what? I'm going to tune in out I of curiosity. <laughs> I can't wait to see the debut of Kazarni. Yeah. <laughs> Man. After Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, I bought any album that he's put out there in front of us. So I'm going to buy a Corrigan product no matter what. Damn of course right. I trust has him. He, in fairness, has he let us down at all? Has anything he's put out there let us down at all? No. I mean, I don't know how you feel about that Adora record, but I'm kind of on the fence about it. <laughs> No, I know what you're talking wrestling-wise. He, what he's done at the NWA, I think is perfect. I liked it when they were standalone pay-per-views a year ago. He brought back that Crockett Cup with those retro graphics. Yeah. I thought it was the best. Then he brought power, and it was even better. We've talked to Joe Galley. We've talked to Kyle Davis. Tim Storm. We've talked to multiple people that have told us how great it is to work there. If anyone's listening out there, the one that we want, though, is we want that Thunder Rosa interview. Yeah, and Nick Aldis. <laughs> but yeah, Nick Aldis, too. That'd be great to get the yeah. both champ. Yes, both champs. We had the TV champ, and we had one half. Well, yeah, we've had... Wait, who's the tag champs now, actually? Oh, we haven't had either one of them, no. <laughs> Damn it. But, but we have had... But we have had the World Tag Team. We have, right. Corgan. We don't have one of the current tag Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the thing for pussy in Britain? <laughs> we got to find that out. I think it's. I think they call it Thatcher. Thatcher. Oh, yeah. All right, well, that's as good of a place to end as anyways. Yeah, let's get out of And it. I can't wait to hear this 531 song bumping in a minute. So, guys, that's it for this week when it comes to our talking wrestling. <laughs> 
Stay tuned for our 531. We're going to knock it out of the park, and we'll talk to you down the road. Hey, everybody. It's Rich Palladino, the voice of Beyond Wrestling, Chaotic Wrestling, Limitless Wrestling, telling each and every one of you to listen to the Working Fans Podcast with Dave, AJ, and, of course, producer Joe, wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you check them out. It's the Working Fans Podcast. All right, everybody. It's the Working Fans Podcast with your boy Dave. And got a special guest today, a guy who has worked for uh, promotions like Chaotic Wrestling, Beyond Wrestling, and even ECW. He's one of the great ring announcers and some would say the voice of New England, Rich Palladino. Rich, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Were you always a fan? And how did you end up breaking into business? Always a fan, probably since I think I was about eight years old, eight or nine years old. I just remember... Uh, during the Bruno and Backlund days, and just got mesmerized by it the first time I saw it on TV. Captain Lou Albano was managing Bulldog Brower, and Brower had broken a chair, and Albano had a piece of the chair and was choking a guy with it on TV, and I'm like, huh, yeah, what is this? <laughs> and, you know, as, as a eight-year-old kid, you're like, what, waiting for the cops to come. I'm like, okay, this is going to be my every Saturday morning. So, yeah, so always a fan, still a fan uh, to this day. At 51 years old, which is pretty sad. <laughs> Met a guy that knew a guy that introduced me to the Boston Bad Boy, Tony Rumble. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Tony. Yes. But he gave me my big break. We met in 92. Did some commentary in a TV studio in Augusta, Maine. For a promotion that never even got off the ground. Guys run a, run a TV taping in Lowell, Massachusetts. And I sold myself to that guy. He introduced me to Tony. We both earned that payday that day. <laughs> I never saw the light of day, but we, uh, Tony ended up running shows like about a year, year and a half later. He got my number, and that's how it all started in 93, believe it or not. <laughs> wow. You guys probably weren't even born. Uh, no, I, uh, I'm actually, uh, I was born, I'm 43, 76. You're just a oh, little, you're a little bit, like, I, my, the era I grew up on was, earliest memories was like Bob Backlund hooking the chicken wing on people. Okay, you know Bob Backlund. Yes. <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you before I like, continue with your career, I had uh, David Starr on here a while back. And when I first started getting back into independent wrestling, about maybe 2015, I went to a Beyond Wrestling show and I saw the introduction you gave for David Starr. And like, I just loved it. Like, I was like hooked on that guy's persona. And a really big part of it was that ring introduction. And he told me that you actually helped come up with that a little bit. Like, you guys spit some ideas back and forth. And one of them was the cream in your coffee. Is that correct? Yeah, that yeah, that and the your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler. Oh, yes. I borrowed from Dan Barry because for a short stint, when Dan Barry was doing a singles run somewhere out in Connecticut or something. We were working some shows, and he's like, "Announce me as your favorite wrestler's favorite wrestler." And then since then, he had already moved on to be tremendous. And so, yeah, me and David Starr were working on some stuff. I had premium coffee, all that in a slice together, all that in a bag of chips. Those are things that I grew up. Me and my friends grew up. In my real life grew up faith. Like, that was just like the funny haha stuff of the 90s, I would say. So, yeah, so I could take credit for the first line and stealing the second line from, from Dan Barry. So, <laughs> but yeah, so it's just, and it's funny because as soon as you said David Starr, I pulled out my note cards next, right next to my desk here <laughs> and actually have the entire thing because I have to keep a couple of copies of it because sometimes it changes, but at my age, I, I can't remember it. No, I, I wish get I that. Could. I want it. Yeah, I need somebody to stand with the T-shirt with their back to me, and I could do it without looking at the index card. But it's one of my favorite things to do, so hell of a talent. 
Oh, yes. Now, now, is that, you know, I've heard for years about wrestlers going up to, like, the commentators and the color guys about maybe trying to get over holds or certain things. Is it pretty common, besides him and Dan Barry, to have a lot of people give you some feedback on how they want to get announced or nicknames or anything? Yeah, but I kind of elicit it myself. I always, what, what I've been doing for the past, I don't know, 15 or so years of my 26 plus in the business is I, I travel with a roster that's alphabetical. I have it on a, on a flash drive here at home and I just, I update it and I print it. So if somebody's weight changes, hometown or something. So usually I'm working with somebody that I haven't worked with for a, for a while. I'll be like, oh, is it still, you know, wrestler name, hometown? 250 pounds, whatever. So I do know that and beyond. I know that there was just a tweet out there that only David Starr can have multiple nicknames. Everybody else gets one. So, <laughs> But yeah, so I kind of bring it on myself and then I always talk to the promoter first just to make sure it's okay. So oh, That's good. That's but interesting. Yeah. This is just kind of a, in doing some research, I saw you singing karaoke to kick off an event for Limitless Wrestling. Or you, you were singing a song. Is that, does Rich like to do karaoke? Because I could almost see the gimmick working for you. I was just curious if you were a karaoke guy. Rich, yeah, Rich loves to do karaoke. I have no problem being the center of attention. In my professional world, I've been very fortunate. I'm actually on my, the job that I have right now in the real world is only the third real job that I've had in my entire life. And if you think about the fact that I'm 51 years old, I've been in the workforce, I don't know, 30-something years very fortunate, but when it always comes down to corporate events, presidents, the vice presidents of the company always know what I do on the side. So I'm always the one that they'd be like, hey, can you go up on that stage in front of the 500 people in this room and get everybody fired up? Or, hey, we got Rock Band karaoke. Can you break everybody in and go do a song? So it's like, I'm, I have no problem doing that. I don't claim to be a good singer, but I will say that show was called Flirting with Disaster which is yes. one of my favorite songs. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Maverick Wild, New England independent wrestling icon. He used to use that, former, the former chaotic wrestling heavyweight champion. That was his theme song, but I always loved the song. So when Limitless came out with a show called Flirting with Disaster, I actually hit up Randy and I said, that there's a guy that actually plays guitar. He like helps, helps out the shows. I think he's a friend of Randy's. And I said, is he going to be there? Can he play that? Because I'll sing it to the ring. And he said, yeah, let's get it done. And I was like, oh, shit, this is actually going to happen. So it was fun. I, I do. I love to sing. I absolutely love it. So... That's awesome. I almost want to say, and take yeah. this as a compliment, please. Uh, I almost see you as like kind of like the host of a party, and maybe almost like you kind of like uh, with the tuxedo, remind me like one of the Blues Brothers or something. I don't know. It's just pretty fun. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> I could dance instead of the late Doug probably. So you know, but I, I think I think that's part of my life. I think I, I think I got that from my dad. My dad, who's eighty three years old, mm. still sings. He's in a pretty much a one-man show now he plays like at nursing homes and stuff like that and i always joke because he should be in a nursing home because he's so old but he's always been a singer he's always been a musician so i think i kind of inherited that from him so little tidbit out there i usually don't even talk about my family that much but that's a performer for a long time yeah, I mean, hey, we, we get a lot of our stuff from our parents, good or bad, whatever it is. It's definitely... And actually, you are uh, you have twins, don't you? 14 years old. Wow. Yeah. Do they get to go out on shows with you ever, or how do, what do they think about Dad doing this gig? <laughs> they they think it's cool. They're 14 now, so they're, they're going to high school next year. Hopefully, if schools are open next year. My son was really into it. 
and I do love to drop names, but at a Beyond show, Drew Gulak came up to my son and said, oh, who are you? And Anthony Palladino. And he looks at me and goes, you know what that means, Rich? He goes, first timer, guest ring announcer. So Drew had actually put him up to it. So there's a video out there. I can't remember what the name of the show was, but my son got to introduce a match between Shinron and Flip Gordon in front of about 300 people, 400 people in uh, Somerville, Mass, at one of the Beyond shows. So he actually wrote a paper, I want to say in like probably third or fourth grade, it was called The Greatest Day of My Life. Oh. So, um, and my daughter used to love it. She used to be in love with another former chaotic champion, Julian Starr. That used to be her favorite. But they've both kind of outgrown it, but they tolerate the fact that I do it. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of people that end up like outgrowing it. And then there's also just like, never quite shake it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm the latter. I could never shake it. So. Same. Yeah, so I'll get back to that hosting for a little bit, too. You do seem like you have a real closeness with the fans. Like, you feed off the energy, and it's like a big party atmosphere. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I take my job. I, I tell every wrestler and every fan, I take my job way more seriously than I probably should, but it's because of the amount of respect that I have for the business. And having been a fan for as long as I have, I never want to dial it in. I mean, for whatever role, however big or small people may envision the ring announcers part of the show, a lot of people give me great feedback that I actually, I, I try to. I try and give everything that big match feel, that WrestleMania moment that, you know, you got to be here, you got to be living this. And yeah, I, I'm very fortunate, a great rapport with the fans and a lot of great support, which, you know, believe me, it's been a lot of times, especially over the past few years, where I've been kind of like, all right, come on. If I, uh, I know I'm on the back nine of my career, but, you know, it's like, believe it or not, it'll sound so, so campy, but, you know, it's just like, that inspires me to keep doing what I'm doing. It's just getting that kind of love and reception and appreciation from fans wherever I go. So it's humbling, to be honest with you. Sure, I can see that. And it's it's awesome you get that feeling. Now, you you worked for ECW for a while. How did that come about? So when I had broken in with Tony Rumble, first show I did was in 1993. Two guys that were on that show were Taz and Tommy Dreamer. And I'm proud to say I have a friendship with Tommy Dreamer to this day. Taz and Tommy vouched for me. They were looking for a ring announcer, and they started doing shows up here in New England. They used another gentleman, Mel Simons, great guy, been around forever. He was Killer Kowalski's ring announcer. But I don't know if they, it just, they, they wanted... They didn't want, I don't know if he didn't want to do the shows or if they were just looking for somebody. So somebody, Paul Richard, had recommended me. He used to be the extreme enforcer, the referee, Paul Richard. And then Taz and Tommy Dreamer vouched for me. And that's how that came about. I literally went my first show. I, I had a top ticket. And when I got there, Paul Richard asked me if I had my tuxedo in the car. And I did. And hmm. the rest is history. So that, yeah, so I got to, uh, you know, Got to work for them for about two and a half years, from late 96 to early 99. So it's a hell of a run. story here is basically always have your tuxedo, always have your wrestling gear, always be ready to work and be ready for opportunity, I guess. Absolutely. Now, so being from New England and working ECW, were you at the Mass Transit incident? That was my first ECW show. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny, after the Dark Side of the Ring came out, I got a lot of requests, like, like, local podcasters wanting to interview me about that. I have no problem talking about it, but it's like how much more can be said mm. about it. But 
I mean, hell, I'll be honest with you. Colt Cabana asked me to be on his podcast years ago and said, do you have any good stories? And, of course, I opened with, well, my first ECW show was Mass Transit. He was like, you're on. And, you know, but it, it, it was surreal. So, yeah, that was my November 23rd of 96. That was my very first gig for ECW. And, you know, I was probably as closest next to the camera guy to that whole mess, you know. But, yeah, it was it was frightening. It was something that is that's in my brain for the rest of my life. You know what? By the wrestling history, so, yeah. You know, but it was it was chaotic, for lack of a better word. And and at that point, I'd only been in the business ring announcing for a little over three years, so that was about as real as it thought. And you know, but it 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 happened. It was it was historic, and it was like I said, something I'll never ever ever forget. We just recorded an interview with another ring announcer. I'm sure you're aware, Gary Capetta. And he had a story in his book. I didn't know. I, you know, I, I probably knew it at the time. I forgot. He was the guy that Germany Mick Foley threw his ear to. And I remember thinking, yeah. like, well, I guess adrenaline just takes over at that point because how often does something like that happen in your lifetime? Yeah, exactly. I mean, for for me, I mean, my claim to fame because people saw that and said, "Oh, well, you, you were there, right?" And I said, "Yeah." So I was the guy that handed the microphone <laughs> to New Jack. <laughs> he said, "I don't care if this." That mother after bleeds to death, you know. <laughs> you know, I I ran to the back when I saw the kid that much blood. I I did run to the back, grabbed Paul Richard and Heyman was very close by, and I said, I I think we have a potential situation out there. Mm. I think we need a lot of towels. And I'm saying it very calmly now. I think I was a little panicked that night, but right. it was just yeah, more than I'd ever witnessed before. But yeah, when you talk about Gary Capetta. Yeah, that that was part of his, his Body Slams book was about that getting Nick Foley's ear and putting it on ice in Germany when that happened. And I do want to say Gary Capetta is one of my childhood idols. Very friendly rapport with Gary whenever I do have the opportunity to see him. But I literally grew up watching he and Joe McHugh as the two ring announcers for the WWWF every Saturday morning. So Gary's a great guy. He's got some amazing stories. Are you, uh, would you say Gary? Or is there anybody else too besides Joe or influences or is there anybody maybe you borrow something from that as fans we wouldn't notice do you ever look at other ring announcers whether wrestling boxing or mma and go oh i kind of like the way you do this so i could put a slant on that or do you just have your own thing you would say um, i i like to think i have my own thing i mean my all-time favorite hero idol ring announcer icon was howard finkel who recently passed away and i got to i got to learn a lot from howard who used to co-host the new england pro wrestling hall of fame every year even before that, I always had a very, very good rapport with Howard. And, you know, I think back to my fellow ring announcer, brethren, uh, Bobby Cruz, who actually had an audition with WWE and got to meet Vince McMahon at the end of the night. And Vince told him, hey, Bobby, you did a great job. Next time, don't be so Howard Finkel-ish. <laughs> so to me, I always tried to have my own style just because of that. Bobby's a really good friend of mine. I always remember that. But, no, I've always done my own thing because I've always been... I want to be the guy, the old school ring announcer says in the corner to my left. I love when I do stuff in like New Hampshire where they have a state athletic commission where you've got to read all the rules at the beginning because that's what I grew up watching. You watch Gary Capetta and Joe McHugh, you know, the old TV shows from the 70s and 80s. They would run down, you know, sanctioned by the doctor in attendance and the attending, uh, you know, the officials assigned by the state athletic commission. I used to love doing all that kind of stuff because to me that's old school. That's, I'm an old school fan. 
Um, so I've always kind of had my own style, but it's funny because when the once fall thing really took off over the past few years, and that's what I have on my t-shirt, but people thought I came up with that, but I'm like, no, that's the way wrestling's been announced since as long as I've been watching it. It just all of a sudden became a thing where everybody, you know, I don't even have to say that. I said, it's all in context. It's scheduled for right. and everybody else won. So and I've always tried to have my own style, but I've always just wanted it to be very professional. And again, I'll mention Drew Gulak. When I first started with Beyond, we were interacting on Facebook Messenger after the very first American Ronda that I had announced for them. And he told me that I added a lot of legitimacy to what professional wrestlers do. And to me, that's always been, like I said, immense amount of respect for this business. I wear a tuxedo, it's why I take my job so seriously, so. No, I agree. I think it's great to add legitimacy to pro wrestling. I mean, for me personally, as an old school fan, I mean, I get we evolve, but that's one of the things I like. Like when you can suspend disbelief and you give me a rough athletic presentation, that's always been kind of what I like too. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it adds to the overall performance because Nothing drives me more insane than when I see like a kid in like jeans and a t-shirt or something and trying to put himself over, you know, as the ring announcer. It's like, no, it's not your job. Your job is to put the talent over. So and that's something I've prided myself on for over a quarter of a century, believe it or not. I noticed that like, though, I mean, uh, okay, so like, you know, Jim Ross is a ring announcer, but there's been times they've brought him into the ring to do stuff, and has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been involved in a match, whether a tag match or like some kind of, you know, any kind of gimmick or anything like that? Did you ever be in, ever get involved in anything like that? A few times. I got, quote, inducted into the business by Kevin Sullivan in 94, where he came out of the ring, grabbed me by the lapel, and open hand slapped me on the side of the, uh, <laughs> on, on one of my ears and gave me a good the going and that was not part of anything that was planned ahead of time <clears throat> but I did do a couple of things with formerly Handsome Johnny in the in chaotic wrestling when he had turned heel he's now the Viking Raiders Ivar he's, yeah he used to be called Handsome Johnny so if you look up any old chaotic wrestling stuff that was one of his He's had multiple characters <laughs> but yeah he was in, in chaotic he was Handsome Johnny and he had just turned heel was in a tag team with a guy that was psycho, and they were called Pretty Psycho. And they had kind of stood up, and we did we did a spot where he, like, punched me. And, you know, I, I went down and carried out to the back and whatever. But then, like, a couple shows later, I got to, like, slap him in the face during a match against Psycho, which got a huge pop. I did another thing with Chaotic where Sean Gorman, legendary manager in this area, and also a fine author as well, he had taken over control of chaotic wrestling to the point where we filmed something at my, my former, my, the office, the company I used to work for. We actually filmed something in the parking lot with me coming out of the office and handing me my, my pink slip that I was fired. And then you fast forward a couple of shows and I ended up coming out under, under a hood and sparing him to help regain control of the company. And then in a company called the XWA down in Rhode Island, Bobby Cruz and Ring of Honor had infiltrated and were taking over the Extreme Wrestling Alliance. And me and Bobby got into a, a little program, nothing overly physical, like he nutshotted me one show. And then a couple shows later, I ended up steering him, you know, to help set up for the finish. So other than that, been very few and far between. Oh, and I had one match at Beyond Wrestling against Larry Legend. Yeah, it was about 30 seconds. Uh, a couple of shots, a couple of slaps, and then Christina Diamond, she's no longer in the business, but she was part of Pink Azusa at the time. 
she came in and not shot at me and I won by DQ. So I tell everybody I'm undefeated as a <laughs> professional wrestler. I don't like to get physically involved unless it adds something to the story. And I think everything that I've rambled on about for the past three minutes added something to the depth of the storyline within each company. So, you know, as I get older and fatter and grayer, I, I the, the less and less physical stuff I want to do. So only if it makes sense, but, Right. You know, it's been fun, but I'm not trained. I don't know how to bump. I mean, you know, yeah. I just do what I can. I'd so. imagine it's one of those things almost like it's kind of fun in the moment. Hey, afterwards, like, yeah, we did that. That was cool. But that's you're a ring announcer. You want to be a ring announcer for the most part, and you enjoy that. that that's what I'm getting, yeah. I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And all the physical stuff, I, get, I actually would get very nervous. One, because I don't want to hurt myself. And two, I don't want to make it look that much worse than it is than having a non-trained announcer and then I take a bump to, uh, I told you I love to drop names but Tommaso Ciampa was trying to teach me how to do a close when I was doing the thing with Sean Gorman because the idea was I was going to come out close on him I couldn't throw a good close line and he goes just just tackle him just throw your body at him whatever you do they're going to fuck <laughs> and then he was absolutely right so but yeah I, I think I'm retired from anything physical other than holding up a title belt for AC Mack or something but <laughs> that's about it did I read this right? Are you in the New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame? I am. New England Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, Chaotic Wrestling Hall of Fame, oh. and the former NWA New England where I got my start. And I, I I just turned to look at the plaques on my wall right behind me because I, I take those very seriously. They mean a lot to me. So humbled to be recognized by my peers in, in any way, shape, or form. So. It's awesome. What are you doing right now with this whole quarantine thing? How you keeping busy or how's this going here for you? It's not too bad for me. For my nine to five, I work from home anyways. Mm-hmm. And I am, I'm in sales and my customer is in Massachusetts. I have another one in, uh, not too, right, right over the mass border in New York. But I have two customers that are within driving distance. My corporate office is in New York. So for the most part, I'm working from home anyways, but I'm not used to working from home while my wife is working from home right up there and with 14-year-old twins being at home. So the 9 to 5 hasn't been bad, but I've got a checklist here next to my desk. I've already lost about 23 bookings going up to this year's New England Hall of Fame got canceled already. And I was supposed to do a bunch of shows, a handful of shows anyways, in Tampa during maybe a week, including one for Beyond Wrestling. So that part is killing me. And as we're recording now, I should be in Worcester for season three of Uncharted Territory for Beyond Wrestling. So with that on hold, it's, that's the part that's filling me the most is, you know, with everything going on with the pandemic, it's, you know, start to wonder when is everything going to get back to normal and will independent wrestling be normal again? You know, because I'm expecting i got a few more years left in the tank. But I will say during this whole quarantine, I've spent more time with my family than I have in those ones. I've been doing wrestling anyways. We have dinner as a family every night, which is something I'm not accustomed to with my wife getting home from work later, you know, the kids running off to their sports. So I've done more cleaning, more organizing, more cooking. And I only read wrestling books and I'm reading accepted Pat Patterson's book right now. So, you know, other than that, just uh, I'm binge watching Mid-South Wrestling too on the WWE Network. 
Yeah. Good era. Good era wrestling. I stumbled upon Mid-South when I was younger. And it was Jim Ross doing a call and Michael Hayes and Ted DiBiase are fighting on the ramp. And I was only used to like Vince McMahon and Tony Schiavone. And I'm hearing this guy talking about beating the hell out of each other. And I was like, that hooked me big at that point there. And like you said, suspending disbelief and giving it that sense of reality is nobody better than JR. Oh, um, no. And no. Mid-South, mid, mid I mean, God, I wish I got there. I grew up in Massachusetts my whole life. And I remember getting it. I think TBS aired it for, for a brief period of time, I think on Sunday night in 1985. But that was about the magazines and everything. Now watching everything that I remember reading about and watching it in succession, I get lost in it. So it's like the old saying, you know, if you've never seen it, it's new to you. That's the way I feel when I'm watching this. And I tweeted something a few weeks ago, and somebody that hosts a podcast about Mid-South Wrestling, you know, wants me to be on as a guest because I'm so passionate about what I'm watching. It's such a great era. So, and hell, if, I was, if we weren't quarantined, I'd still be binge-watching Mid-South Wrestling. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just watching a little bit more of it now than I, than I have in the past. Yeah, it is good stuff. Is there, I'm going to let you go, Rich. You've been great. Is there anything you want to promote, though, that you got going on still? The only thing I'd want to promote is for everybody to support their favorite independent wrestler. I have no right asking anybody to buy my merchandise. I ask that everybody just goes out and supports independent wrestling because I have a lot of good friends that make a living doing this. So if the wrestling tease is your spot, or if there's favorite performer from Beyond Wrestling, Chaotic Wrestling, Limitless Wrestling, wherever, wherever I should be announcing or anyone I'm not announcing. Please go out and support your favorite wrestler. I got shut down from Pro Wrestling Tees Shop because I don't have enough followers. So if anybody wants to follow me, <laughs> it's at Rich Paladino on Twitter. I'm under Rich Paladino on Facebook and Ringside Rich on the old Instagram. So, but like I said, more than anything, please support support independent wrestling. Oh, and if you want to try out independent wrestling TV, go to IWTV.live. If you use the passcode one fall, like I say in every match. Get a free five-day trial, and I encourage everybody to give that a well. And subscribe to Beyond Wrestling on YouTube because 2.2 million isn't enough. We want more. So, yeah, that's all I got to plug. And Chaotic Wrestling on YouTube. We air, we're airing a lot of our, our shows. We would do a show and break it up into three parts and air it for three weeks on YouTube. It's called Elevated. So check out Chaotic Wrestling on YouTube as well. You'll be airing a lot of classic stuff. So you'll be seeing the Anthony Johnny or the Ibars and the Tommaso Champas and the Kofi Kingstons and the Sasha Banks because they all started in Chaotic. So definitely check out Chaotic for a good slice of wrestling history right there. Awesome, Rich. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rich. You killed it. That's one of my favorite ones. I got to be honest. Thank you so much, man. This was a real pleasure. This is a public service announcement provided to you by the Working Fans Podcast. I know you guys all have a hard-on for conspiracy theories. You think the government's out to get us, they want to control us. You think 9-11 was an inside job. You think it's all China's fault that we have the coronavirus. Well, let me tell you something. There's one guy held responsible for all of this, and it's slipping through our fingers. It's gotten brushed under the rug, but I've put the pieces together. Papa John said the day of reckoning would come and it has come Papa John is a sick son of a bitch who should be brought in by the Justice Department you see 
I never fucked with Papa John. Something about their pizza wasn't right. And I know now that the evil is within. And Papa John has brought the day of reckoning to us all. Working Fans Podcast 2020. Of course it'll work. Somebody a fucking mark. You guys are fucking shit. This November, when that time comes around, you know who to vote for. Working Fans Podcast 2020. Welcome to the 531, where we debate a top five list on a particular subject, further discuss it down to a top three, and then eventually settle on a top one. Now after this beat, we'll get to today's subject. <laughs> no surprise, but there are no round eyes on this list. No. Now, we're going to start with Jesse from New Hampshire. He's got the great Sasuke, Hayabusa, Kenta Kobashi, Mitsuhara Misawa, and Jushin Thunder Liger. Mm. Scott from Voluntown, very similar list as Kenta Kobashi, Mitsuhara Misawa, Jushin Thunder Liger. He's got Ricky Dozan. I almost hate to tell him he's Korean-born, but he's got Ricky Dozan on the list and Keiji Muto, the great Muda. Yeah. Ricky Dozan, huh? That's a name that goes way, way back. This was something me and Scott actually had kind of a discussion on because he asked if we were going off favorites or kind of like historical importance, and mine was a mix. I picked my favorites, but I also went with people that had some degree of historical importance. I went for a mix also. Mm. Yeah, same. Even if Ricky Dozan isn't born in Japan, what he did for Japanese wrestling is huge. Because I want to say it's off his JWA promotion that basically kind of Baba came off and went to form All Japan, and Anoki went off and formed New Japan. If I've got my Japanese wrestling history right was he an olympian as well i believe he was and a sumo okay or he might have just been a sumo one of the two yeah i want to quote a wise man here i want to quote jim ross 
Yeah, it's fine. They're all the same. Holy shit. <laughs> well, I will follow up with my list. Yes. And they are not all the same on this list. I've got Kazuchika Okada, Great Sasuke, Antonio Inoki, Jushin Thunder Liger, and Keiji Muto, the Great Muto. This list changed because initially I had Ibushi and Suzuki in those last two spots. And somehow I realized I forgot Liger and Muto. And that shows you how many big Japanese wrestlers there are out there that you could forget two legends like that. Well, that's the problem. There's so many great legendary Japanese wrestlers. Oh, a ton. Now, Jake brought us the list. <laughs> He's got Kazuchika Okada, Keiji Muto, Antonio Inoki, Jushin Thunder Liger, and Minoru Suzuki. Mm. I think Suzuki is an important pick because he's that modern-day wrestler that really lends that credibility to the sport. Yeah, the guy has two legit wins in actual legit fights over Ken Shamrock. That's how bad that motherfucker is. I'm, I'm a little upset nobody's mentioned Ninja Go yet. Or the Giant Machine or the Super Machine. Yeah, we're <laughs> really missing the boat so far. On a side note, have you guys watched that Bill Burr video? where he commentates on Antonio Inoki beating the shit out of the great Antonio. Oh, yeah, that's fucking fantastic. People should do yeah, that. Yeah, that is awesome. Bill Burr should do play-by-play for the WWE. <laughs> oh, God, I can't get enough of it. Look at this fucking asshole. He just punched him in the head. That's not even a punch. <laughs> I would love to hear that on Raw. <laughs> Two guys uh, like AJ and, let's say, Alistair Black are going at it. Let, let's, let's listen to Bill Burr. <laughs> I mean, if you just want a good time... If you just want a good time, watch Anoki kick the shit out of the great Antonio anyway. That's a fun video just on itself. Well, I think they call him the great Antonio because he was a great punching bag. Next list up we got is Zach, mm. who has the great Oda, Jushin Thunder Liger, Ultimo Dragon, Jinsei Shinzaki, and Kenta Kobashi. Two things. First off, is Ultimo Dragon actually... No, 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 no. He is Japanese. He made his yeah. name in Mexico, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because he went train with Torimon, I believe. Right. Exactly. And Jinsei Zanzaki. He played with Okada train, I believe, too. Jinsei Zanzaki. Is that Hakushi? That is Hakushi. My man, my man. Interesting pick. I wouldn't say it's not a good one. I'm just, I'm not as familiar with him. I mean, you got Dragon, well, Muda, and Kabashi, and Liger, so, I mean, that's a pretty much who's fucking who right there anyway, so. Well, you yeah. also got to remember, Hakushi had a much more storied career in Japan than he did in the WWE. Hmm. I think Undertaker might Oh, yeah, I mean, have... it's pretty clear that WWE doesn't know how to handle foreign talent, especially 10 or so years ago. No, no, no. Asuka's doing great now, although, though. Ah! Although, they, although, they, although they did do better with him than TNA did with Okada. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, TNA set a very low bar there. They're, I think WWE is happy they ever did that. Dave, we got two lists left. How yeah. about you give us your list? I will be happy to. You know, in doing my research, I had not actually seen a lot of Kabashi matches. So I decided to watch one with him, uh, two of them. One with Masaya and another one with Stan Hansen. And he is everybody as good as everybody says. And doing research, guy has had titles everywhere. He was a triple crown champion. So he made my list. Kento Kobashi's on my list. The great Muda, who's been a champion in all Japan and New Japan, and is an absolute legend and set WCW on fire in the 19, early 1990s. He's on my list. Antonio Inoki, not really a fan of his style, but the guy's a legend. The guy can legit go. He had a match with Muhammad Ali. 
Hard to deny this guy is a legend. Tanahashi, the New Japan ace. I had to have him on my list. And also, just to be a little different, the original Tiger Mask. Oh, Satoru Siyama? Yeah, that one. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's the name even I fucked up. I think it's Satoru Siyama. I posted a video of him today singing an Elvis song, so go find my Facebook. Yes, sir. (laughs) Good luck. I'm not giving out my name, so just fucking... I'll figure it out. If you know, now you know. <laughs> Let's go now, guys, I actually learned a bit of trivia this week. How many NWA titles are in that Triple Crown Championship? Two. I'm going to go with three. Shit, it's two? No, nah, yeah. Dave got it because anytime you try and fucking throw a curveball at him with some Japanese stuff, I feel like he's banging a girl down at the buffet and he's got like this insider knowledge. I just listened to the podcast of Grew and JR where he talks about Dr. Death Steve Williams and they mentioned the Triple Crown in that. Okay, fuck. I thought it was on the last fan. I'm like, there's no way he listens to the last fan. No. But you definitely listen to JR. I do. That's exactly where it happened. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows more about Japanese wrestling than good old JR. JR can talk about Japanese wrestling. All right. JR's a damn legend. You shut your mouth, hillbilly boy. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm laying into that chocolate cake and I just forgot all of fucking what shows I listened to this week. Yeah. So AJ, we're giving you that top spot. Who do you got for your top five? Well, this list was tough. I mean, when you think about the great Japanese, to me, I started off with Sega Genesis. Oh, I worked through the Nintendo, maybe PlayStation. Oh, wait a minute, that's not right. Sorry, long, wrong list. To me, Kobayashi's one of my favorites. Yeah. I, I think that he is absolutely incredible. I love the fact that he's hard-hitting, that he his side suplexes are some of the original stiff suplexes, the belly-to-back, absolutely phenomenal. He's looking this up um, right now, so folks. we're talking about Kenta Kobashi, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm going to butcher I'm gonna butcher the names, so, so be ready. I know, I thought we had a hot dog winning champion champion here. I'm like, I don't even have the heart to tell him that Joey Chestnut took the title like five, fourth of July's ago. The only, this is one that's going to throw people off. I am a huge fan of Kensuke Sasaki. Always have been. I think that he's underrated when it comes to the great power wrestlers. When he teamed up with one half of the Road Warriors, when he teamed up, with Hawk for um, all those years, and they did the uh, Power Warrior. Yes. Exactly. I thought that that was a great tag team, and I think that he's an underrated Japanese wrestler, to be honest with you. Hey. I know a lot of people had... I actually almost had him on my list, so I actually am a big fan of Sasaki, too, so go ahead. (laughs) I know a lot of people had Inoki and Baba on the list because of their historical references. Wait, people had Inoki on the list. Nobody gave a fuck about Baba, but go ahead. We gave it up to Ricky Dozan before we gave it up to Baba. Fuck that stupid, yeah, skinny, long hair on fuck. He ain't shit. Go ahead. But, hey, did I do Randy's list yet? No, he'll main event. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, Randy's going to main event. I fucked you, AJ. Sorry. That's all right. But to me, I didn't like either one of those guys. I thought they were both boring as shit. So they're not making my list. My third one is Masa My Hero Chono. I love Chono. Always a big Chono fan. Mm. So, why What's that first name again? Kick. Isn't it Masa? It is. Masa, no, what's, Hero his full, what's his full first name? Oh, I have no idea. I, I always say Masa, my hero, Chono. 
I was gonna say, I just like the way you said Masahiro. I'm like, oof. If they couldn't tell we were white before this, it's showing through now. I'm a little disappointed nobody nobody had Mr. Fuji on the list. Mm. (laughs) Jesus Christ, you didn't put him on, did you? (laughs) And he's not making my list either. Tanahashi is next on my list. There you go. I take uh, to me, one of the great workers of our time period. And Good hair, Tanahashi. Mm. Yeah, I think he's going to go down as one of the great wrestlers of his time period. And to me, the greatest worker in the world right now is Okada. Uh, so he's making my number five. Big Dick Okada. All right, so, all right, we got Randy's list because I'm about to forget him again. He's got Okada, Tanahashi, Kenta Kobashi, Antonio Inoki, and that Korean fellow, Ricky Dozan. Hey, he he really read Lion's Pride. He, he's one of the pieces that shift in on Lion's Pride. He should have read it and known that Ricky Dozan's not Japanese. But I'm getting fired up over nothing, I guys, like the so. fact that him and Scott are on the same page. I think that's great. Those two. I love those two. Anyway. I know there's no way I'm going to say Scott's wrong, but I'm quick to say, like, you fucked up, Randy. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. God damn it. Randy's part of our Patreon team. Randy, no worries. I got your back this week, brother. <laughs> in, in fairness, Scott might have a taser or something on him, so. It's true. That is true. Never mind, Randy. <laughs> Fuck that. Go, Scott. <laughs> I'm going to say, that's my homie, though. I can't go against him, but. That's my man. I want to say, if we're going to look at who moves on, it's Okada, right? I think it's got to be. Well, we got, one of them. We got Kobashi's on almost everybody's list here, too, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was going to get to it. I just hit Okada first because if you go on wrestlers you're kind of thinking about, wouldn't you almost say he's like the modern-day Hulk Hogan of Japan? Absolutely. The in a more talented man. way. We throw in Muda okay, as the other guy? All, first of all, Hogan in Japan could wrestle his ass off. Hey, Ichiban Hogan, number one. <laughs> There's a song. Now, we've got Okada moving on. Who else do you see? I mean, Muda. Liger didn't make as many lists as I thought, but, I mean, he almost seems like were, first ballot. Were you more surprised by how many lists Kobashi made or how few lists that Liger made? I want to say how few lists Liger made because I want to say Kobashi is almost an obvious to move on. He made a lot of lists, so we're going to move him on to the next round. But, yeah, you would think that with Liger's retirement this year, that would be more in the forefront of people's minds. Listen, I love me some Jushin Liger. I was happy I got to see him live. But at the end of the day, on this list, I want the great Muda to go on. I think he's the man. So you want to say it's Okada, Kobashi, Muda that make it to the top three? Ain't even a damn doubt in my mind. <laughs> AJ, can you make an argument for somebody besides Muda? He don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to, but I can. He can? Uh, what about Tanahashi? All right, well... To me, Tom... Okay, since we've got Okada on the list, make a good argument why Tanahashi should go on besides the legend Liger. So, here's my thing. When you come down to the two of them, do you have Okada over as far as he is if he didn't have the matches with Tanahashi? I think Tanahashi did as much to make Okada and to actually bring as much out of him as you can. And without those great wrestlers, 
who can tell the stories and work the matches and bring stuff out of people. Whereas with Muda, I love KJ Muda. Okay. And Muda, and this is gonna this is gonna be a tough one for me to not incorporate him. But some of his American stuff actually hurts his Japanese. Hold the I phone here, brother man. Of- Hold the phone, brother man. Joe, you're a historian here. How many All Japan titles does Tanahashi have? All Japan? I don't believe he has any. Yeah, I don't believe he has either. But you know who's been an All Japan champion and an IWP New Japan World Champion? The great fucking Muda. That's who. Dave, who, who runs All Japan? Baba. Or at one point has... <laughs> Right now, it's fucking hot. Listen, he's been a champion in all Japan, New Japan, and he's been big in the States. I'm sorry. If you want to put Tanahashi, that's fine. But then Okada's got to go. Muda fucking stays. <laughs> I, that's, I'm not... Wait a minute, let's be clear. I'm not saying put Tanahashi on over Muda. I'm saying you asked me to make an argument for somebody against him. This is the only other person who I can think of to make an argument for. There you go. And if you use that same logic, though, you almost have to elevate the ultimate warrior to a level that he might not deserve just because he helped make that spot with Hogan. Oh, God. You know what I mean? my mouth. It's like comparing... Oh, yeah, because, I mean, you talked about him building up... You can't have a good, like, almost hero if you don't have a villain. And not that I'm saying Tanahashi doesn't deserve it, but in this case, I think you choose either Tanahashi or Okada. I agree. And we kind of put our bets on Okada. Yeah. No, and I I would pick Muto. Plus, Muto jumped in at a time. I mean, he worked with Gary Hart. He came in just after Kabuki. He hit that major run in WCW. The only thing he did to hurt himself is never turn face because Gary Hart recommended that he would only get money as a heel. Right, and maybe a few racist yeah. Southern bookers that were sitting on that committee too that said, ain't no once Japanese the, guy gonna be no baby face. Once again, I don't know if that's how they said it. I, I mean, I mean, I think I was there, so I don't know. Once again, though, <laughs> I reiterate, I was not saying Tanahashi should be on the list over Muda. You asked me who I could make an argument for. Right. Right. I think we're all in agreement Mood is staying. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't think you're ever going to be my lawyer if I need representation. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, I'm not saying you didn't do it. I'm just saying you got me here to defend him. Fuck. Yeah. All right, so now we're down to Okada, Kobashi, and Muda. And I almost hate to ask it, but who do you cut first? And I know the answer. AJ, who wow. are you cutting? Oh, I cut Muda. All right. Joe, who do, you oh, think wow. we, who do you think we should cut, Joe? I would say you would almost have to cut Okada because between Kobashi and Muda in terms of importance, I agree. it's really tough to kind of come off that. Okada is amazing. Right. He has set a new modern standard for that title that not many titles get. And AJ, like you said, if he didn't have those classics with Tanahashi, he wouldn't be the name he is. But, yeah, no, he's also me, on the newer end of things. He's no Muda, he's no Kabashi. Yeah, and it's not to say that he won't be in a few years, but he hasn't been yet. And this is about being the best no, of all I, time. 
No, I can see that. that. That's fair. I'm more than happy to drop off Okada first. See ya. To me, out of the three, Okada is not my standard bearer anyways. So now it's going to be tough between Kobashi and Muda. And who do you guys got? Because I know who... I know who I am. Go, go first, Dave. I'm biased. I like Muda all day on this. I'm a lot more familiar with his work. At the end of the day, I've seen more of Muda. And, uh, I mean, I'm just a big fan of the fucking green mist and everything the great Muda's done. Maybe, uh, you know, Kento Kobashi deserves to be there. He does have a hard-hitting style. Just the stuff I watch with him, it is kind of reminiscent of the Steiner brothers and some other guys I really like. And I do tend to favor that style. But at the end of the day, I'm just a little more familiar with Muda, so I lean towards him. Now, so the reason why I'm going Kabashi is not because I didn't like Muda. Obviously, as a child, I was a fan of Muda. I oh, enjoyed yeah. the Green Mist, like you said. I love the fact that he did the moon salts, the backhand spring. I love the, the twisting corkscrew elbow. But when it comes down to wrestling, my style is I love the hard hitting. Mm-hmm. I love the Japanese strong style. I love when two guys leave the ring and it looks like there had been a fight. And to me, Kabashi is one of the fathers of that. And he is one of the people that are responsible for that style. So oh, he is. After the thousand neck. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't yeah. have a problem with either guy going over. Joe, I think you need to make the final decision on this one this week. And, and, and to me, that's why I jumped in the second spot here, was because to me, out of the three of us, Joe obviously knows Japanese wrestling a little better than the two of us. So, please, Joe, make up our minds for us here. I do know Japanese wrestling, but I am guilty of not being as familiar with Kobashi. I know he's important. I know the battles with Misawa are, like, things of lore. But Muda hits a closer spot with me. Mm. I've seen more of him over the years, and that's why i got to put him over uh, and, and, let's be, and let's be clear with and let's be clear with this. We win either way. Any of these three guys that we got down to the final on, there's really not anybody you could lose with. And if anybody, oh uh, yeah, anybody on the list at all. And if anybody speaks Japanese out there and wants to be our translator, I'm more than willing to try to get Muda for an interview. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, man, you're gonna have to pay those extra. Disneyland for Sonny Ono, though. Oh, that's right. Fucking Ono. <laughs> Actually, Allegedly. Right now, the tickets to Disneyland are pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, guys, that's another week of the 5-3-1. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. Later. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 